Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we discuss, educate and talk about industry news and hot topics, company reviews and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International. With a career covering nearly two decades, Mining International partners with new and junior miners and larger predominant players in the market. With no further ado, here is your host, Rob Tyson. Hi, it's Rob. Again, welcome to another episode of the Dig Deep, the Mining Podcast. And today I'm talking to Amanda Van Dyke, whose career has been investment banking, focusing on the mining and resources sector. She was also the chairwoman of Women in Mining UK, um, and she currently owns South River Asset Management, which I'm sure she will talk about later on in the podcast. So let's get straight into this. Um, so I appreciate Amanda for taking the time to do this podcast. Um, and I want to understand a little bit, uh, first of all, about your background and how you got into the mining industry. So probably starting from when you graduated. I, I had a, a very indirect route into the mining industry. Um, I got a, a Bachelor of Arts degree that wasn't particularly useful in terms of um, getting a job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I ended up going to Antwerp, um, to the University of Antwerp and studying gemology. And I worked in the Canadian diamond industry for a number of years, okay. staring rocks through microscopes um, and sort of buying them in, in, as a sort of B2B sort of business. So um, I, did, I did a gemology degree um, and worked in the diamond industry in Canada for a number of years um, and eventually got a bit tired of that. Um, and went and got myself an MBA and a master's in international economics. Subsequently, when I got hired into the investment banking industry in Canada, yeah. um, my first role was in sort of as a research analyst at a firm that specialized, which did a lot of mining deals. So I fell into it by accident. Okay. But um, yeah, and then the rest is history. I went from there and spent the next sort of seven years in investment banking. Yeah. And then at the bottom of a really bad bear market in 2015 someone said well we've got a gold fund what would you like to do <laughs> and I said yeah I'll take it why not yeah um, and since then um, I joined uh, a firm that eventually um, performed a management buyout and um, my fund went with it yeah. Um, and yeah the rest is history we've been trying to grow um, a resources fund and a gold fund um, because of our belief in the junior resources sector. Yeah. You, you mentioned you moved to Antwerp. How did you, so I'm just going back a little bit, how comes you moved to Antwerp? Was there any particular reason why you did that? Um, well, there's sort of, Antwerp is, is a diamond capital. Yeah. It's, it's where a great deal of the cutting and wholesaling of diamonds gets done, and it's where they have one of the sort of two globally recognised programs Okay. Um, in, in the diamond industry. Yeah. And that's obviously, that was something that, sparked an interest in yourself and and then obviously like you said the rest was a little bit of history and obviously then you went back to Canada and then you came and then obviously you live in London now um what's the difference between I suppose living in London compared to Canada and considering Canada probably has a bigger mining mining industry than the UK although I suppose you're you're from the financial market so probably London could be bigger than Canada yeah well Canada, Canada's industry is more dominated by juniors. Yeah. Interestingly, the AIM market in the UK is very much dominated by um, 
by junior resources sector, so oil and gas and mining. Yeah. Um, but and then also in London, about uh, anywhere between five and ten percent uh, is is mining when it depending on where we're at this in the cycle. Yeah. And so London actually has a much bigger market, um, yeah. but that's mostly dominate that the majority of that is dominated by the large international multi asset miners. Yeah. Um, there's also a great deal of mining business and finance that's done through London. So it's a, it's big business here versus junior business. Um, I would say that the Canadian mining market is much more promotional than the British market. Um, the British market, even in terms of investment tends to be geared towards production and dividends. I mean, that's what they're looking to get eventually. Whereas the Canadian market, much like the Australian market, is very focused on exploration and new discoveries and and finding the next big thing. But yeah. that also makes it much more susceptible to commodity cycles. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what would you say the major differences are between doing business in Canada compared to the UK? They wear better suits. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it, it's pragmatism. Yeah. Um, in in Canada, they're always promoting something, and yeah. and I say that not in a good way. So in some ways, there's a familiarity with the industry, which is good. But on the other hand, you know, the promotional aspect of it is not very practical a great deal of the time. In the UK, they want to see a direct path, less of a speculative investment, and more of a direct path to actual revenues and and return on their investment. Yeah. So. Yeah. You just, it's, I, I'd say that the UK is far less speculative. Yeah. Uh, they want, they have a much more practical point of view towards the mining industry. Yeah. So would you say if you're investing in Canada, it's more of a risk to someone that's investing their money as opposed to London? Although obviously it is quite a big risk with any mining companies that you are going to be investing in. The, the risk? No, I wouldn't say that at all. I would say that the, there's, there's more risk in a junior than there is in a senior, like between juniors, um, explorers, developers, producers, like the, the risk is the same, whether you're listed in Canada or you're listed in, in the UK. Um, what the market's looking for is different though. I think you'll get a better reception if you're a developer or a producer in the UK than you will in, than you would have, than you will if you're an explorer and explorers also do better at an earlier stage of their existence because their their market is more tuned towards exploration than the yeah. UK market is. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk to you about um, your involvement in winning, uh, women in mining UK, which obviously you headed up. Um, did you actually start that, or were you just no? Um, a lady started it before me, and she ran it for I think three years um, before. It has a the organization can take over your life quite easily. Um, it's not for profit and it's unpaid. Yeah. It's a volunteer organization that ends up taking a huge amount of time and effort for the women that sort of get together to run it. Yeah. Um, it did grow from about 170 people while I was running it to about 1,700, so it was huge. Right, okay, that's good. Congratulations. Uh, well, I, I, the thing is, that's what I mean about the mining industry being a lot bigger than you think. Now, most people think of people in mining as just, you know, geologists and engineers and, and stuff like that. But the reality is, you know, finance, insurance, um, accounting, listings, all of that stuff happens in London. And there's lots of people who, who work in different professions that are specialized in the mining industry within yeah. those professions. Um, and, and that's why we had, I think, so many members. Mm. Um, and, 
and continue to sort of be one of the more recognized associations. So when you expanded your your pool of people that you associated with mining, you got more people. Yeah. Why did you decide to take the post? Um, <laughs> I, I was part of the committee at the time. Yeah. I think I was one of the more active members um, and I ran a lot of the events and communications. And, and when the former to co-chair people were, were stepping down, they asked if I would step up. And um, at the time I was young in my career in London and, and sort of wanted to expand my network and get to know the industry better. So I said yes, and the rest is history. Yeah. And what did you actually want to achieve? And I suppose what's the main aim by having this organization? Just again, I suppose if There's any females out there listening, if they maybe wanted to join, what's the whole concept behind it? Well, there is a couple. I mean, you'd have to ask the the, your, the people who are running it now yeah. how they focused it. But while I was running it, there was, it, it had two main focuses. One, to provide a place where um, women who worked in the mining industry from different areas could come together, discuss mining, increase their level of knowledge, and network within the industry. Which, because yeah. network is always important from a professional level, professional sort of perspective, yeah. and women are traditionally not so great at it. Yeah. Providing a forum for that um, was very important. And the other thing was to raise the profile of women in the sector. Women are very underrepresented in the mining sector. They less any Of all the industries represented on the FTSE, um, there were less women on boards, for example, and women who worked in the mining industry than any other okay. sector. That's in interesting gas. to hear. Yeah. So um, we did a lot of research while I was running it on, on how women affected um, the performance of mining companies, mostly larger mining companies yeah. who were open to gender diversity. Um, and, and while you can't, there was a lot of correlation between more successful mining companies and sh share profitability and share price with uh, female participation at the board level in mining companies and, and sort of promoting the fact that women could be, that diversity could seriously help mining companies achieve more um, and, and opening the idea of, I don't think, Mining is a sexist industry, actually. I've been nothing but welcomed in it. And most women I know who work within the industry love it. Yeah. Um, but promoting it as a choice and promoting it and sort of people get used to the way they've always done things. Mining is a really old industry. And yeah. so trying to get them to encourage them to look at the roles women could have within the organizations and sort of just promote the visibility and, and roles for women within the sector was a, a major focus. Yeah. So does it really start back at the universities, for instance, to try and attract people maybe into engineering, maybe into geology, maybe into maintenance, th those types of things, if you're looking at a, a, an operation within mining, because I imagine there is a lot more females within the banking sector, advisory groups, accountancy type organisation, lawyers, etc. You would think that, but actually, no, it's just as few women in those specialties like in those professions in mining because same you go into law and you think "Ooh, what's an exciting career yeah. um i want to do media law or act like there's a lot of things human rights law there's a lot of things that seem a lot more exciting and sexy than mining yeah. most of the time um and and engineering and geology are the same hmm. mining is just not well known yeah. among women for being an interesting industry yeah. to get to um, and so promoting the mining industry generally as an exciting place to work 
um, and, and an important industry for global economic development um, that it involves travel to the four corners and jungles of the world. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. promoting it as an industry is very important and not just in geology and engineering yeah. because what our organization would show, even within mining companies, if you look at the average mining company, everybody thinks about the geologists and the engineers. But the majority of people aren't in geology. Like I would yeah. say those, those don't represent more than 5% of the employees of a mining company. Hmm. Uh, the vast majority, 95%, have different specialisms. One of the most important things in mining is logistics. Yeah. Um, and, and you certainly don't need an engineering degree for that. So, no. so promoting the, the fact that the mining industry is a lot more than just geology and engineering. They're both important, but yeah. it is more than just geoscience. Um, and it's regardless of your specialty and profession, the mining industry is a very exciting place to work. Yeah. I mean, I have heard that speak because obviously I, I work in recruitment in the mining industry and obviously speak to a lot of various different types of people. And what I have gathered more recently is mining doesn't seem to be an attractive industry as a whole, whether you're female or male. And I don't know whether that's just lost attraction due to the market, um, obviously the market... Not, I wouldn't say going into recession, but it's obviously um, gone down in a gone down in demand in, in in terms of a life cycle. But I don't know if that's always been the case, whether mining just isn't necessarily an attractive industry to the majority of people. I would I would say that it isn't. In general society, at least Western society, mining yeah. is definitely not seen as an exciting place to work. Yeah. Um, and an attractive place to work. Uh, mining has a horrible sort of brand and image in the world right now. And that's very, very unfortunate because mining is a primary thing. And there are actually more commodities demanded today than ever before yeah. in the history of mankind. So mining is m just as, if not more important today than it's ever been. But it has a horrible reputational issue yeah. um, as being dirty from an environmental perspective, not very good from a human rights perspective, um, and and sort of and not and, and people because they don't realize that they use the products of mines every day yeah. in single thing they do, yeah. they don't realize it, it, people are so divorced from where the stuff they use comes from yeah. that they just don't realize its importance yeah. uh, either to our economy or to our lives, and I think that that's a failure. On the on the part of the mining industry for not doing a much better job promoting itself. Yeah, well, you, you think everything around you has either been mined or been agricultured. Every single thing that you see, touch, um, has either been mined or agricultured. So it is an important primary industry. That, like you said, people don't realise that. So uh, no, that's true. Um, so I want to move on. You're also a member, uh, advisory member. Um, to the board of the Mines and Money in London. So I just, again, just want to, exp uh, if you wonder if you can explain a little bit about that, how you got involved and what, what you actually want to achieve. Well, I got involved when I was still the chair of Women in Mining, and that was primarily to, uh, they, they, they wanted more women involved and they had trouble finding it. So it was very, we, we had an event there every year. It was a good yeah. place for us to promote the role of women in the mining sector. Um, and so via our involvement, we eventually 
they eventually asked me to come on and sort of add a bit of a female perspective to the board and to, to how the, the conference was going in terms of promoting the mining industry. And, and it sort of just went from there. Mm. So what what do you so what do you get involved in? Say for instance, the Minds and Money event in two thousand eighteen, which I went to. Um, I did see you obviously on stage as well, um, asking the, some of the pitch battles um, and asking obviously questions. So again, what what else do you do behind the scenes? Um, mostly the the the, the company um, Aspermont asks us to um, give them a feel for the themes that are most important to the industry right now, where they can focus their talks, um, where they can focus uh, what both the investors and the miners and and the public at large are looking, things that they're looking for so yeah. that they can focus the content of the conference a little bit more than it has been in the past um, towards getting what their clients want to get out of it, which yeah. is... And how, how do you feel the, the event went this year? And is there any differences, if, if the event's going to be any different next year? We're obviously talking about Minds and Money in London, 2018. I think, I think it evolves. Yeah. Um, every year it evolves. Um, and that, that's because the mining industry evolves. I mean, battery yeah. metals were very hot, as it were, last year. Um, sometime in the middle of the year, we'll probably take the pulse. Understand that Minds and Money does events all over the world yeah. now that one in Toronto, mm -hmm. they have one in Hong Kong, I think they have one in Latin America as well. Yeah. So they take the pulse of the mining industry on a global basis. And they also take the pulse of the location they're holding it in. So I mean, what interests London investors or the London mining industry is a little bit different than what would interest the ones in Chile, for example. Yeah. yeah. But nonetheless, um, it's about taking the pulse of the industry and, and what what's hot at the time and making sure there's enough information um, about new advances in different areas of the mining sector um, that'll interest both investors and the mining companies themselves. Yeah. Okay. Before we talk about um, obviously your own company, um, South River Asset Management, um, how do you, what do you see the outlook of the mining industry sort of over the next few years? What's your take on it all? Um, I think I'm slightly talking my own book, but yeah. I actually, I'm, I'd be, if you look on the, all the investment websites, as it were, I think most people are, are focused a little bit more on gold these days. They think gold's come out of a, a – last year was a bit of a slumped year for gold and it went down 10%. Um, I think they think this year will be better because the macroeconomic environment supports a rising gold price. And with the rising gold price, you get more gold exploration, more gold development and mining and, and, and sort of a more profitable industry, yeah. which generally buoys everything. Um, the commodities – the general commodity industry tends to follow gold. So six months or a year after the gold price gets a little bit of a perk. Um, and it's also counter cyclical with, with sort of non mining asset markets or non real asset markets. So I think that while this year might not be exceptional for, for other commodities um, and mines that mine other commodities, I think it won't be a bad year. Um, it could be kind of flat ish. Yeah. Um, with various, but there's always the case with mining that when various commodities go into a bit of a deficit or a bit of an oversupply or, or people, not even if it does actually go into deficit, but if people anticipate a deficit or significantly increased demand going forward, like they did for battery metals a, yeah. a couple of years ago, then those commodities could have 
a bit of a boost. And when those commodities boost, so do all the mining companies that mine it or are exploring for it. Yeah. So what uh, I suppose what commodities do you see? Obviously, you mentioned gold. Do you see any other commodities outperforming other commodities at all? Uh, again, I suppose in the short term, say this year, maybe going into next year. Um, I think gold and as a consequence, silver. Yeah. Um, do well, but I think silver is also going to do well because its use in industrial, in an industrial capacity, is going up every year. So I think silver will likely have a bit of a better year as well. Um, cobalt deserves a bit of a re-rate. I think there there's not enough cobalt in the world, um, despite what a lot of people thought. Yeah. Um, in terms of it, it kind of it went a little too far and it's come back. But I think cobalt will have a decent year this year, as will some of the other more, um, shall we say, constrained battery metals. So the issue with battery metals is most people don't realize what goes into batteries. Um, lithium is the most resource abundant thing that goes into batteries. So I'd only really be looking at lithium if it was in the bottom quartile of the cost curve. Yep. I think manganese and nickel um, could also have a, a reasonably good year. I'm not sure this year is the year for copper to break out, but I think copper will eventually re-rate because there is a bit of a supply gap looming. A massive supply gap with copper. But the general, here's the thing, it's easy to anticipate and if the market, if there's a lot of publicity on a supply gap, the, the commodity will go ahead, but it always reverts. Um, the price doesn't really significantly for, for real demand and supply purposes go up until the supply gap happens. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, when there was a supply, a proper supply gap in zinc, that's when the zinc price ran yeah. um, and vice versa. So I, I, I'm cautious. I, I think I've, I'm a long-term copper bull. I don't know if I'm a short-term copper bull. Yeah, yeah, certainly. So once move on now, and wondered if you can talk about um, South River Asset Management, obviously your company. Um, if you want to talk us a little bit about how, how you got started and what your vision is for the company. Um, to be fair, it's not all my company. I okay. Have. <laughs> um, I worked for an asset management company that had my yeah. gold fund in it, um, and a Chinese firm um, alongside management bought the company out from its previous ownership. So it's still the same company, but we're looking to expand it. And part of the way, at least my sector of the company, we have other funds, not just mining funds okay. and yeah. specialty boutique funds, but my particular um, expertise is resources. And we're looking to um, grow both our gold fund and our strategic resources fund going forward um, because we believe that um, with a, a much more focused and and sort of scientific approach to junior resource investing that you can make a, a reasonable return in the junior resource sector without taking the risks and and the cyclical by by taking a bit of the risk and cyclicality out of it by having a very sort of disciplined approach to it um, and we're hoping that that um, is successful and and that we can sort of make money for our clients yeah. which is our primary Certainly. function um so what do you look for in in an investment, is there any cer certain things that you particularly look for that maybe other people don't look for? And and probably based on what you've done in, in investments that you have made? The most important thing for me, uh, there's no one important thing. I think that's the yeah. thing about mining. I have a, a bit of an approach that I think it's a, it's a balanced approach. Like you need to have, there's so many risks in the mining sector that you need to have a bit of everything. Yeah do well. Um, I like things that are, that make a decent, that are economic, 
assets, I like to be economic. They need to be, have a significant enough scale and they need to make a significant enough margin to make them viable and realistic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's not just, it's not grade. It's how much money can you make per ounce of gold, for example, or per ton of iron ore? Like what's your margin and is it of a significant enough scale to be relevant? Um, is it financeable? Um, and the other thing is, is, is promotion is more important than you would like to think. It's wonderful to have a beautiful project that will eventually shoot off lots of money, but I don't buy projects. I buy shares in companies yeah, yeah. and yeah. I need a company that has a management team that can not only manage all the geological and technical risk and not only manage the company in a responsible way financially, but also can manage the fact that this is a public company and they need to appeal to the public and market it to the investors and the investing community in a way that allows my share price to appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. What would you, what advice would you give someone? uh, And again, people listening to this will be people within the mining industry. What advice would you give them if they wanted to sort of invest in, in shares and how would they, what would they look for? Obviously you would probably look in more detail. And don't love with a project. The problem with people in our industry is we fall in love with projects. We see an asset and geology that we like and we think it's going to be a monster and we're like, we pile in. And we forget that it takes time to develop a project. Even though we all work in the industry and we see it, we forget A, it takes time and B, that the the world doesn't see an asset, they see a share. So I would invest in teams, teams that have had success with not just their companies before, but also their share prices before. A team that knows how to find a mine, build a mine, and realize share price appreciation and value for their shareholders will very likely be able to do it again. Um, and, And it needs to be able to do all of those things if it's going to be successful. Don't just buy the asset. That's what's the biggest is you see a beautiful asset and you wanna buy it, but an asset doesn't make you any money um shares do so you need to buy a company and a management team that knows how to manage all aspects of a publicly listed mining company like you said it's the teams that actually make that asset make the money Um, yes and if someone's done a proven track record in that then they should hopefully do that do that again um also someone else uh, also i've mentioned this to someone else and they said quite similar also the people that have the management team if they've got quite a an interest within the company have a number of shares in the company as well quite a, a big proportion that's also probably a good sign that they're gonna have a, a a valid interest in that operation to make money because they've got their own funds in that as well uh, yeah no skin in the game is really important um if you're just getting a nice big salary and you don't have any skin in the game you're not going to be motivated by no. share price performance um and that's absolutely true um but just skin in the game on its own yeah. isn't sufficient you need a lot of factors to incentivize management to do better and i often see you know every once in a while you see the opposite end of spectrum where you know the ceo and founder or chairman and founder own you know 30 percent of a company and it's their baby and they don't know when they need to hand it off to a professional management team yeah um and and the shares flounder even though they, they hurt themselves but entrenched management you need a, you need a balance. You need sufficient skin in the game to incentivize them, but also um, they need to be incentivized to know when to move on as well. Yeah. Just slowly, uh, going to wrap this up. The last five minutes or so, I just want to ask a quick 
few fire questions. Um, why do you enjoy the mining sector? I don't know. It's my home now. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So you're in the mining sector, you've been there and you're quite happy in it. So Yeah, that's I think what we do it. is yeah. very, very important. And I think it gets a bad rap. But I find every project fascinating. Different countries, different commodities, different factors for success. Every Figuring out who the successes are going to be and who the successes aren't going to be. It's, it's a massive puzzle. It's always interesting. It's hmm. It's a very exciting place to work. Who would you say has been the most uh, influential person on your career? Um, it, Catherine Raw. Okay. She's definitely the COO of Barrick. Um, yeah. And she was a fund manager, a very young fund manager at BlackRock. And she was on our, my board at Women in Mining. I just think she's an incredibly intelligent woman who understands the mining industry very, very well and is very, very motivated. And she does an amazing job. Hmm. Okay. Is there anything else you still want to achieve? Well, there's probably quite a few things you want to achieve, but is there anything major that you want to achieve? I'd love to be running the most successful mining fund in the world at some point, but okay. you know. And where, where do you see the future of mining? Mining's not going anywhere, despite hmm. what people think. Uh, mining isn't going anywhere, but I do think that mining needs to do a much better job with its PR in terms of expressing to the world how important it is because we pay more of a price every day for its bad reputation. Um, and as margins are squeezed and everybody wants a little bit more of the pie, um, there's a lot of people leaving the industry because there's just not enough money left on the table to incentivize people to take the massive risks yeah. it takes to find, develop, and put into production a new mining company. Um, and I think that governments around the world and industry around the world needs to change their attitude the mining sector if they're going to continue to incentivize people to invest in it yep yep certainly um and lastly any advice that you would give anyone um, that wants to work in the the finance industry or even the fund fund industry like you you've um gone through um any advice that you would give someone to sort of I suppose taking the same footsteps as as you've gone through um i think what you would need to do is is get out there, network, go to the events, talk to people, show them that you're willing to work hard um, and and that you like the sector. That, that, that will get people in. There's not a lot of people that love mining and not a lot of people that are excited about mining. And if you show your, your love and excitement and you show up to the yeah. events that go around, go on all the time – um, you'll, you, people will be very happy to introduce you around and help you gain a network and, and get your foot in the door. Yeah, yeah, certainly. That's good. That's a good advice. And I've started to do that by going to more events. So, uh, no, I appreciate that. Well, um, thank you very much, Amanda, for taking the time to uh, discuss your career and your journey and give us an in insight to what you've been involved in. Um, if our audience wants to uh, contact you, how do they go about doing that? If they want to ask any questions about, obviously, mining, uh, women in UK mining, um, and also about, obviously, South River as well. Um, both of them have an info at. So if yep. you send an info at, um, there is someone who, who, on a dedicated basis, will give you a response yep. um, and, and send your query on to whoever it's most appropriate to. Yeah. And um, any social media platforms that you're on? Not on a no. professional basis, but okay. we do have, um, as I said, we have a, we have a, a website that has um, a place where you can interact with us and contact us if you need to. Okay, and what what, what website was that again? Um, it's southriveram.com. Okay. Um, alternative, 
Lee, if you want to contact me, um, if you want to pass a message on to Amanda, you can contact me via my email, which is rob at mining-international.org. Um, well, thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And until next time, happy mining. Thanks for listening to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. If there are any topics you want discussed or questions you want to ask any guests, then you can email us at rob at mining-international.org. Or you can follow Rob and Mining International on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube for more content and to have your questions answered. Until next time, happy mining.